0: we we'll have a couple of things I want to announce to you guys. Uh, next week, we are having a community group sign-up day. So we're going to be asking all of our leaders to, after both hours, uh, come to the coffee area. And uh, there will be sign-up lists available. And that will give you a personal opportunity to talk to people, get to know them figure out what night of the week that they are meeting on and how often, and, and maybe if you connect with them, then you can sign up on their group list, and they'll be able to follow up with you. So next week we'll be doing that. encourage you guys to, to jump on board with that. Also, the last uh, Sunday of this month, uh, we are doing a Trunk or Treat. It's our birthday celebration, and every year, last Sunday of October, we started the last Sunday of October in 2009, and so nine years ago we started, and, and we are having – a trunk or treat out here in the front parking lot, and so we're going to ask people to sign up and back their car in and have, uh, you know, treats and things like that out of the back of your car. Kids can walk around. They'll be decorated as a movie theme. We'll have prizes for best decorated car, all this stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun, so I encourage you guys to plan for that uh, for the end of the month. Hey, when we get started, let's just have a word of prayer. God, today, the topic is uh, challenging for all of us. It's difficult. Um, it's probing. And God, so we just just ask for your understanding and grace uh, as we walk through these texts. Help us to grow, to know you more, and, and to activate that in our life. And God, we just thank you so much for the scripture that teaches us and reminds us. And we just thank you for your great love for us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a classic tale of good versus evil. In the original novel, The Strange Tale of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote, In each of us there are two natures, good and evil. It is the curse of mankind that these polar twins should be constantly struggling. And you know the story of Dr. Henry Jekyll. He's convinced that he's found a serum that will eradicate evil from a man's life. So he thought. So he goes to his fellow doctors and he asks if he can use a patient who is insane as his, test, uh, as his test model. And they would not allow him, and so he decides, I'm going to take it myself. And when he does, instead of um, getting rid of evil, it actually exposes the evil in his life. And we end up seeing Mr. Hyde, and then the first time we see him in a very guttural, real, uh, kind of almost demonic voice of the words, I'm free. Nothing could have been further from the truth. Dr. Jekyll found himself in bondage to the beast that he had created. He was unable to control Mr. Hyde's unleashing desire for more power and self-gratification. And in the end of the story, it ends in a very, very sad way when he is killed actually in self-defense by a friend of his after he had done all kinds of damage. But Stevenson was right. We all have two natures within us. Mark Twain once said, we all like the moon, we all have a dark side. J. Wallace Hamilton wrote a book called Horns and Halos in in Human Nature. He said, on the one hand, we're created in the image of God, but on the other hand, we are marked with the stamp of Satan or the sin of Adam. The Bible calls it our sin nature. So I want to talk to you today about we're, we're bound, but God has set us free. Because the reality is all of us can find ourselves bound, perhaps to drugs or alcohol or pornography or lust or bounded by lying or food or gossip or gambling or bound by greed or a bad attitude. How many of you realize that somebody can have a bad attitude and be bound by that, right? How many of you are sitting next to somebody with a bad attitude, right? Don't say it. That would would be a bad attitude of yours, so don't say it. But today I want to look at the life of Samson. Samson was a man who was free, but he ended up being bound. And let's look at his life together beginning in Judges chapter 3, verse 5. And in context, an angel of the Lord had come to Samson's mom and told him that Samson is going to be a special young man. And he says, you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Samson was dedicated to God in the womb and throughout his entire life. He had God's blessing on his life from before he was even born and then all throughout his life. God chose Samson to be a deliverer of Israel from the Philistines. And the amazing thing about Samson is that God gave him this incredible strength. There are many that believe that Samson was the strongest man who's ever lived, and if he walked... The face of the earth today, he would be on the front pages of every newspaper. His feats of strength would be uh, on front page uh, news. It would be on primetime television. Here are two examples of that Judges chapter 14, verse 6 says, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, so much that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Pretty impressive. Chapter 15, verse 16 said, Then Samson said, With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. A little play on words there. Creative Samson. He said, With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed thousands or a thousand men. The Philistines tried to conquer Samson over and over and over again. And they tried to kill him, but they weren't able to. And so, for 20 years, Samson was a leader and was someone who was delivering. The people of Israel from the Philistines, their enemy. Samson ended up, though, in a very drastically different place in his life. He loved a Philistine woman named Delilah. She tricked Samson into revealing to her the secret of his strength. God had said, Samson, don't cut your hair or you will not be strong. And she tricked him, and he ended up getting a haircut, and he lost his strength. Judges chapter 16, verse 21, it says, when that happened, the Philistines seized him gouged out his eyes, and took him down down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. Samson went from freedom to bondage. How did that happen? How did it happen in Samson's life that the strongest man who's ever lived became bound? And I want us to look at this life of Samson today and how he went from being free to being bound and then being free again. But how did he become bound? How do we become bound? Number one is we are bound in this life when we li- when we live in hiding, we live a life of secrecy. Well before Samson met Delilah, we see a pattern of his life where he's beginning to happen even at the young age, and he begins to live in secrecy. Judges chapter fourteen verse six said, "The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and so much so that Samson tore the lion apart with his bare hands, as he might have from a from." Uh, Torn a young goat, but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Notice, he didn't tell his parents what he had done. He, he defeated the lion, but he didn't tell anybody. Then in Judges chapter 14, verse 8 and 9, it says, Sometime later, when he went back to marry a woman that he loved, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands, and he ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, He gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now notice again, he didn't tell his parents. He he saw the lion, the dead body of the lion. He reached in there and grabbed the honey. He gave it to them. They ate of it, and he did not tell them where it came from. Now I know some of you are thinking, what's the big deal? It's just honey. I mean, is there anything wrong with that? What's What's the big deal? Well, Samson made a vow before the Lord. He was a Nazarite. And with a Nazarite vow, there were three things. Number one, uh, no wine. Number two, don't cut your hair. And number three, don't touch anything that's unclean. And in the Old Testament, dead bodies were unclean. And so he grabs the honey out of there. And the problem was he was eating the honey out of the dead body. It wasn't the honey in and of itself. It was the dead body. And then after eating the honey, he went and took it to his parents And he didn't tell them about it. Living in hiding can can lead to a life of bondage. Hiding can lead us into bondage. And Herbert Cooper, who wrote this series, made a great point when he says, not only did Samson hide his sin, he also hid his access to sin. Samson had access to sin. He knew where the dead lion's body was. Why? Because he had killed the body. He had killed the lion. And it's interesting that the Scripture points out to us that he did not tell his parents about the dead lion's body. He just kept it a secret. His secrecy opened the door to sin to occur, even when he hid the access to sin. And when we hide access to sin, it opens us up to a life of bondage. Perhaps it's hiding access to the Internet when you say you have a filter on it, but you figured out a workaround. And you just haven't told anybody, but it's there. Maybe you're hiding access to drugs, and it was a problem you used to have for months or years, but you still have access to those same friends, still have access to those same relationships, and you say, well, I'm not touching the drugs, but you still have access. Or maybe you have access to the wrong friends or people that you know have a wrong influence on your life, a negative influence on your life, and you're just kind of keeping that access open. You don't tell anybody, but the access is still there. Perhaps you have access to something you want to steal. Maybe it's at work, and you're tempted by that, and you've kind of set parameters around so that you know, hey, in this time, this place, I'll be able to take that thing. I just won't tell anybody. Or maybe it's from a family member. Maybe it's access to somebody who's flirting with you at work. You're not telling anybody. Maybe it's a secret stash of food that you have, and you're supposed to be watching what you eat, but instead you're hiding access so that that might lead you into bondage. Hiding sin can lead us into bondage. And here Samson is, he's alone. He has to fight temptation. He has to fight the inner struggle all by himself because he's isolated himself. And how many of you know, I've learned, the devil wants isolation. God wants community. That's that's why community is so important here. I've seen it happen so many times where someone will stop coming to church, and I'll text them after a couple weeks, and I'll be like, hey, miss you at church. And I've learned to wait a couple of weeks because sometimes people are just on vacation. And I don't get everybody anyway. You know, sometimes I'll miss too in terms of texting somebody after they miss. But, but a lot of times I'll just try to text somebody. I try to not do it with judgment. It's not a passive-aggressive thing. It's just a, hey, we miss you. Because they were right back. we be like, hey, we've been in the Bahamas for like three weeks. It's a lifelong marriage trip for us. What's wrong with you? You know? No, I'm okay. All right, okay. I was just checking. Just checking. It's all good. I'll be like, I miss you. Hope you're coming to church soon. Here's what I've learned. I've seen it happen time and time again where I'll text somebody, hey, we miss you. And then they won't reply. And then it'll be weeks later and they won't reply. And then I notice they've dropped not only out of church, they've dropped out of community group first and then church. They aren't serving any longer. And then lo and behold, a few months or weeks later, I will hear some story about how they've fallen out of faith or they've fallen into something. And here's what I know. The devil wants isolation, but God wants community. Hiding leads us to bondage. And it's interesting that it was honey. It's interesting that it's honey because sin is fun for the moment, it's exciting for the moment, and, and, and it lured him in. Notice that he saw the honey, but he did not even pay attention to the, the dead body that surrounded it. It was a trap for him. You start using drugs and you're hiding it, you're abusing alcohol. You're hiding it, you have a pornography problem that you hide, having phone conversations that you're hiding, you're having new clothes that you bought, that you had a shopping spree but you didn't want to tell anybody you have a shopping problem. Years ago, in a church that I served, I had a marriage that really struggled and fell apart. The wife had built over $100,000 in debt that he was unaware of. She would take credit cards out. She would get them out of the mailbox before he found them, and she would keep applying, ultimately destroyed their marriage. We've seen it happen. How do we become bound? Number one, we hide. Number two, we ignore God's instructions. Samson ignored God's warning, and Samson ended up in bondage. He chose his way other than the God way, God's way, and God gave Samson three specific instructions to follow. Don't drink wine. Don't cut your hair. And also, make sure you don't have anything to do with anything unclean. I want you to protect us as a people from the Philistines. He wasn't to date a Philistine, and yet he did. He got together with a Philistine woman, and God told him to not get a haircut, but what does he do? He tells the Philistine lady named Delilah that the secret to his strength is his hair. And when he ignored God's instruction, it ended up leading to a devastating uh, end for him. In Judges 16, we're told that when Samson was asleep, his hair was cut, and then Delilah called out to him. Now, you've got to understand that for a while, that Delilah had been trying to figure out the secret of the strength of Samson, and he kept telling her things that weren't true, that weren't right. He was getting her off path, off the, off the knowledge of what was going on. And he would wake up the next day, and the Philistines would have bound him at night, and he would just shake off those binds, and he would then be able to defeat the Philistines. But in Judges 16... We're told that when Samson was asleep, his hair was cut, and Delilah then called out to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep, and he thought, I'll go out as I did before and shake myself free. You see, before he had gotten out of it, but this time he wasn't getting out of it. You know, it's tempting to think we can ignore God's instruction and then just shake free. It's no big deal. Samson thinks, I've been doing this for a while. I'm just going to shake it off. It's no problem. I'll eventually get to do the right thing, and I'll just shake myself free like I have before. But look what it says in Judges 16, verse 20. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Samson drifted from God. He walked from God by continually ignoring God's instruction. And when people continue to choose their way over God's way, they just distance themselves from God. And it's usually a slow distance. Samson got so far away from God, he didn't even know it. He wasn't even aware. And there are people, and we have all been there, that do their own thing and continue to distance themselves from God. And they literally deceive themselves into thinking that it's just going to be fine. We'll just shake it off. Not even realizing that God's hand is not upon them anymore. It's not upon their relationship or upon their marriage. It's not upon their business or their financial dealings or their friendships or their decision making. They drifted away from God, and they ended up bound. And this, friends, can be a struggle for all of us. All of us, from time to time, have found ourselves bound. Things look good on the outside, but on the inside, there are inner struggles. There's some things that literally they are bound by. And what I want to do is share with you three freedom, three keys to freedom from the life of Samson. And the first one is this, ask somebody for help. If you want to get free and stay free, ask somebody for help. Look at Judges 16, 26. It says, Samson said to the servant who held his hand. This is after he's been blinded. This is after he's at the end of his life now. He has no strength. And he says to the servant, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Samson was blind, but he knew that all the Philistine leaders were going to be in one location at one time. And he saw this as an opportunity to redeem himself and to do what God wanted him to do. And verse 23 tells us that all those leaders of the Philistines were assembled together in one place, and Samson then realized, and he asked the servant, put my hands on the pillar of the temple because I want God to use me one more time. He asked God, he asked his friend for help. You see, to get free, you got to have a godly friend that will hold your hand. You need a friend that will grab your hand and say, listen, I'm going to take you for a walk. We're going to go together. Grab your hand and say, quit working so much. You're you're bound to your work. You're neglecting your spouse. You're neglecting your kids. Come on, walk with me. I'm going to hold your hand and bring you to church every week and sit with you and worship God because you're going to be in God's presence continually. We're going to worship together, and we're going to worship his name, and we're going to hear the preaching of God's word. I want to do whatever I can to hold your hand and bring you there, even if it's to bribe you with a steak dinner for lunch. Every weekend, I want you to go to church with me. I'm going to hold your hand and walk with you to the drug rehab center. I will walk with you to the marriage counselor. I don't want you to destroy your marriage. I'm going to hold your hand and walk you there. You have to be willing to humble yourself and ask for that godly friend. Galatians 6.2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We cannot do this life alone. We need somebody who's going to help carry the burden that you've been carrying. Let me just say to some of you today, some of you have been serving the Lord for a long time. You're mature in the faith. You have gotten free. You don't have things that bind you any longer. What I want to ask you to do is that you look for opportunities to grab somebody else's hand and walk them to freedom. God may be saying to you today, hey, I want you to walk with somebody today. I want you to walk them to freedom. Grab somebody's hand and just say, hey, let's walk together. I will walk with you. That's one reason why we challenge you to get in a community group. Surround yourself with other godly people that can say, we're in this thing together. This is a judgment-free zone. We're walking with each other today. We're just going to walk with each other. We need to surround ourselves with people who are walking toward freedom. Number two, second key to freedom is this. Cry out to God for help. Just cry out to God. Notice in Judges 16, 26, it says, Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. Let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. This is a prayer of desperation. Samson lost his strength. He lost his eyesight. He lost his freedom. He was bound. And in this moment, he cries out to God, and he says, Sovereign Lord. That word means that, God, you reign. God, you are sovereign. You sovereign. You are reigning over everything. You can do anything. And, friends, you may be bound today, but God has offered to, to to walk you through this, to intervene so that he can set you free. And if you're bound today, I want to encourage you to cry out to God. Say, God, sovereign God, I need your help. Sovereign Lord, intervene in my life. Sovereign Lord, help me be free. Sovereign Lord, I'm I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Would you move in my life? So cry out to God. And number three, believe that God can give you strength again. Believe that God can give you strength again. I realize some of you have drifted so far from God, you think there's no way I'll ever find freedom again. But you got to believe that God can give you strength again. Remember what freedom was like. Say, God, I need your help because I remember what it was like when I was free. Maybe it was in the early part of your life, and you remember what it's like to be free and not have those burdens. Maybe it's in your early marriage. Maybe it's in your teenage years. Maybe it's as a child. You remember what it felt like to be free, and you say, God, I need your help to be free again. Judges 16, 21, it said the Philistines had seized him and gouged out his eyes and took took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison, but the hair of his head, listen to that line, began to grow again. Look at your neighbor right now and just say, I think your hair is growing again. Would you just tell him that real quick? I think your hair is growing again. Some of you you're thinking it's helpless. It's helpless. It's not, it's probably not growing again. But notice he was regaining strength. He was regaining strength. God can help you once again. Judges 16 28 goes on to say, please, God, strengthen me. What? Once more. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. You can do it again. Let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. God, give me the strength one more time. God, help me do the mission that you've called me to do. Help me to finish this work. Help me to defeat the Philistines. God, give me strength one more time. Samson got himself into a mess, but God strengthened him again. Samson drifted away from God, but God gave him that strength one more time. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to be free today, you have to believe that God can do it again. You say, but... Stephen, you don't know how bound I am. Listen, guys, God can do it again. You don't know the mess I'm in. God can do it again. You don't know the skeletons in my closet. God can do it again. God, over and over in the Scripture, used people that fell away from Him, and He redeemed that, and He allowed them to be used again. You need to believe that God can do it again. He can give you the strength again. And one of the things that's been on my mind today is I've looked around the room and I've watched people today. I, I have the privilege, I guess, to know the stories of a lot of people. And I don't intend to share those today, by the way, except for one, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But uh, when I think about those stories, I do think about the times where people in our church have been in bondage in some areas, some challenge in their life, and they just pray, God, would you just allow me? Just just to be used again, to be in your grace again. And I've seen that happen time and time and time again. But one of the stories that's inspired us most as a community of faith um, has been the story of of Donnie and Courtney. And I shared their story this morning. And uh, we've known Donnie for many years at this church. In fact, Donnie was with us. Uh, Gerard and Delina, Courtney's mom and dad, they saw me teach at a baccalaureate for Lakota East High School, like 11 years ago. And th- when they saw that, they said, we need to find out where that guy's going to preach or where he's going to be. And we started Axis Church, and they did. They looked us up. They found us. And Gerard and Delina have been part of this church from almost day one. And Courtney came along. And at that time, Courtney was dating another guy. And it wasn't too long after that, Courtney started dating Donnie. And I have always liked Donnie. His personality is infectious. We have been in groups together, and men's things together, and studies together. And I mean, he's just has a sharp wit, and um, and he's he's just hilarious, and he has a lot of good insight. But his insight was clouded because Donnie will tell you, and this is all very open. That's why it's okay to share that Donnie got involved in drugs in his life from a very early age. It really clouded his perspective on things, and here they are walking through their marriage together, and they're facing challenge upon challenge, and Courtney is trying to process through that, and I appreciated her heart because she wasn't sharing that with the whole church, but with a few select people, how do I get through this? How do I deal with this? And we're praying with them, and it came to kind of a real climactic moment, and we've all heard the stories of people that have gone to drug rehab. And when they go into drug rehab, what happens? The parents pay thousands of dollars only to find their child a few weeks after rehab, coming back out, getting with the same old people, the same old crowd, doing the same old thing, trying to find it all over again. Donnie went to a different place. Delina had a relative in Florida that was in charge of a rehab center that was Christ-focused, christ alone. And, and, and rather than just therapy, they've just poured into the Scripture, man. They just poured into the Scripture over and over again. And they would read the Scripture, and they just implanted God's Word in Donnie. Even before the program was finished, we all had questions about it because we weren't sure. Donnie came home early. He said, I got it. I got it. Christ's Lord. Comes back home. And I mean, we'll all tell you, something was very different very early. And I could see it in Courtney's eyes, too. They fell back in love, man. I mean they had a kid right away. I mean again we're all like, wow, what's happening? Are y'all sure about this? Because you already have a lot of kids, you know? And like, wow, but man, chemistry. Woo! It's happening. And they fall in love again. And I mean it's so good to see Donnie because his eyes are clear and his mind is clear and, and and he's speaking truth today. It all comes because God took a life from bondage to freedom. And if he can do it for Donnie, if he can do it for Samson, he can do it for us. He can do it for you and for me. He can give us the kind of freedom that we need in Christ. Not one of us are perfect. The thing about, one of the things I love about Access Church is there's never been pretense, Um, it's always just been we are real people on a real journey, sharing real stories of struggle and challenge and life and celebration, all coming together to say, we just are people in need of God's grace. And we need God's grace. And we need the freedom that he offers. I'm going to pray for you today. And uh, as I do that, uh, you can feel free during this last song to stand or to sit. You can feel free to kneel or to go before the cross. You can feel free to pray with someone or pray alone. This is an opportunity for you, though, right now, in these next few moments. There's plenty of time to be able just to say, God, um, help me. God, sovereign Lord, give me the strength that I need one more time. God, help me to break free. And to that end, I want to pray for you, God. We thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for the stories of people like Donnie. Pray for their marriage, God. Pray that you continue to bless them. God, thank you for his experiences. Thank you, God, this is a church where we get to walk with people, real people, real problems. We get to celebrate victories one life at a time. We get to see improvement and setbacks and grace and freedom. God, thank you that we get to learn through stories of men like Samson about how, God, you give us that strength one more time, one more day that we need. You want us to accomplish your will, God. You want us to do what you need. We want that. So God, thank you for using us. Thank you for your grace. In these moments, God, when people pray or they sit or they stand or they kneel, nobody will look around. Nobody will judge. Nobody will say, I wonder what's happening in their life. And why could they be doing that? And what might they possibly be doing? It's a judgment-free zone, God. It's a place where there's a hand, but it's not a hand of judgment. It's a hand of compassion. It's a hand that reaches out and says, will you walk with me? Or I want to walk with you. I want to help you. I want to help you get to freedom. That's what we need, God. We love you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We pray in Jesus' name.